It sounds unlikely, but we know it. We know this from a new piece in the National Pulse. The National Pulse has been absolutely at the tip of the spear. Raheem Ghassam and Natalie Winters have done more than any institution. This is a great news site. I want to encourage you to, to take a look at it, the National Pulse. I think we're going to see the whole media landscape be radically transformed over the course of the next year or two. And uh, it'll be great for you as a centre-right, well, one of my protégés, if anyway. <laughs> I, I mean, don't know if you want to emphasize uh, well, that. Well, it's true. <laughs> it's true. Well, good morning, where I am anyway. It's Tuesday, February the 22nd. 2020 what is it now 2022 probably something like that it's tuesday right two 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 um war i guess right war so they say war so they have wanted for so very long they now appear to be getting it in some way shape or form welcome to another episode of the national pulse broadcasting from a gloomy Capitol Hill this morning. I want to jump right in here. I, I've noticed, by the way, that there is a plethora of new podcasts coming out, and I am now in a competition for your time like never before. I, I'm probably the only one in the podcast world uh, reluctant for your time. Uh, I'm not saying I'm not grateful for it, but uh, I, as you probably know, there are so such large chasms in time between when I uh, sit in front of this mic uh, and the next time. Uh, because mostly, a lot of the work we do at the National Pulse is, I mean, it's it's old school, right? It's, it's investigative work, going through paperwork, documents, PDFs, data reports, uh, buried leads, getting down into things that, that, well, nobody has the time to do really anymore. But we, we, we do that, we make the time to do it. And so, I think I much rather prefer doing that uh, than sitting here and, and and necessarily gobbing off. Not to say that other, other people are just gobbing off, but, you know, I, I do when I'm in front of the mic. Um, so I think a better use of my time is sometimes doing those deep dive stories, as we do at The Pulse and as I do at my Substack. And in addition to that, a lot of the stuff we do goes to sourcing. It goes to speaking with people. Uh, at length, understanding things in detail, connecting dots in a in a I like to think I hate this word holistic way, um, and that takes time. Again, so forgive me for all of those of you who have been bugging me to do another podcast. However, this product right now that you're listening to is a product of you bugging me. So I guess it works, right? So let's start by talking about, and by the way, the only <laughs> the only reason I am doing a show today is because my laptop is not fully charged, so I can't sit down at my desk and do my work. My laptop charger is actually at my studio desk, not at my living room uh, workstation, and so I have to sit here while my laptop charges, and I thought, hey, I guess while my laptop charges, I'll do a podcast. Uh, and then back to back to the thing I love most, which is diving deep into the detail of uh, lots of weird and strange and um, concerning things. And we'll get into one of those um, in a moment. But I want to get into war for a second. Um, 
So I, I think and I hope that the regulars in this audience will remember that I was the basically the first person on the right to ring the alarm bells around this uh, war in Ukraine. The elites want war. They always want war. And they especially want war on a day, a day like today, a year like this year. And I'm just looking to see in live in real time right now whether the Rasmussen reports numbers have come out yet because I have a sneaking suspicion that actually the war that they want is because they want a certain tracker to go up and that would be Joe Biden's approval tracker. So let's see. The latest figures include 23% of who strongly approve of the job Biden is doing, 46% who disapprove. That gives them presidential approval rating index of minus 23. Yep, yep. So if you think about it, at the beginning of this month, well, let's take the end of last month. Let's take a month ago. Biden's approval numbers were at minus 33 this is Rasmussen, right? This is not some Daily Beast, Washington Post poll. These are the ones, these are the guys we believe. So you get minus 33 last month, minus 23 today. I guess I was right. Um, but that tells you, right? That tells you uh, what this war is for. War, what is it good for? Well, artificially bolstering the poll numbers of illegitimate regimes, uh, to a point. So, a lot of people saying to me, well, Mr. Smart Guy, you know, you appear to not care about Donbass, about Russian troops rolling in. Yeah, I care, like, in the abstract. It's not good. Is that what you want? <laughs> is that what these people want? This is not a good development. Yeah, okay, all right. Question is, how do you solve it? And the answer is, this is not an isolated action. This is the consequence of prior action. If you want to solve this problem that you have right now with NATO, and Ukraine, and other places where this is going to spark up, by the way, we've heard this morning... Nord Stream 2 won't be going ahead, according to the German Chancellor. Paused, paused, not cancelled, paused, due to this latest uh, uh, troop deployment in um, the disputed regions of Ukraine. And I say disputed reasons because I don't want anybody to think that I'm j I just, you know, buy the Kremlin line on this and that it's, you know, these are places that have had referendums and they have decided that they want to be self-governed and in that self-government they want to be closer to russia i accept that those people exist and that, that and that that is a thing i don't accept that it's the only thing going on in lugansk and donetsk i don't accept that it's dominant necessarily i'm talking 90 plus percent dominant i'm not saying that there is and forgive me if I'm getting a little bit into the weeds on this stuff, but I think it's important to address these points. Who People who say these things are black and white are lying to you. And they're also, therefore, writing themselves out of, out of any given position that could lead to any good end of this conflict, of this disagreement. And that takes us to a wider point, right? 
which is, is there a real end to something like this? Or is this not just a push and pull of history? You know, the machinations of, of um, do- ge- geostrategic dominance in any one, especially Asia, Central Asia, you know, the, the Eurasian landmass, the world island, all of, all of the things that people have told us for decades and decades and decades, if not longer, centuries, are playing out. They're playing out. And the only thing I can tell that is different now than before when these things happened routinely, as they will routinely continue to happen, which, by the way, doesn't preclude us from having a moral standpoint on it, doesn't preclude us from having a strategic standpoint on it. I'm just saying, let's not pretend this is new. Let's stop pretending this is new. The only thing that has changed between back then when we were far more capable of dealing with these things, and now, when we appear to be hands tied behind our backs as some transgender library reading our teacher dances in front of us, is the competency of our leaders, the competency of our leaders, the competency of the institutions, effectively the competency of, of, of the regime, the Western regime, and the individuals at work in all of these areas, the National Security Council, the Gen Sakis of the world. I know it's cliche, but I wouldn't trust these people to run me a bath and I like my baths, okay? But I wouldn't like I wouldn't trust them to run me a bath, let alone run counter operations against a former KGB officer. I, I think we can all agree on that. Between you and I, I think they agree with me on that. I think they do not want to be in this situation. Listen, there is a reason that somebody like David Cameron, after the 2016 British referendum on European Union membership, slapped his hands together, turned on his heel, and marched to the opposite direction and said, see ya! I'm not tidying up this mess. Yeah, why do you think he did that? Fundamentally knew he was not capable of navigating those waters. Theresa May, same thing. Completely unable and now here too. I keep telling you, stop ending up like Britain. I keep trying to warn you about this. And now you have this regime in the United States. What, what is their response? By the way, did you see Boris Johnson's response this morning? He was asked a question about, you know, should Russia really be holding uh, the UEFA Champions League final in St. Petersburg this year, given that they're invading Ukraine? And Boris goes, which translated roughly to, no, they shouldn't be doing that. And, uh, you know, they will suffer greatly for not hosting sporting competitions. What do you you think the response that the Kremlin is to that? You know, bloviating Boris, you will lose the Champions League. (laughs) Laughter, ridicule, humiliating it is. Boris Johnson should have been able to stand up there and say, 
Why am I being asked a question about football in the House of Commons right now when we have foreign troops marching into territory directly adjacent to NATO positions, right? Whatever whatever position you take on this conflict, that's Boris Johnson's position, and that's what he should have been able to say and said, oh, you know, we might have to, uh, we might have to get the players to take a knee. That'd be embarrassing for Vlad, wouldn't it? It wouldn't, though, would it? And the only thing embarrassing right now, I think, is the Western response to all of this. So let's so let's just let me wrap up on this. I know a lot of you are thinking this is real good. Yeah, it is, but it's because I know this subject area like the back of my hand. But I'm but I'm not going to spend too much time talking about it. Why? Because I feel like I'm going to tell you things you already know for a start. It might sound good. You might be getting a few chuckles out of this, but I don't think I'm telling you anything new. And I am not in the business of wasting your time. So, everything is about consequences. And there are, co- there are, and have been, and will be consequences to what the West did with Kosovo in the 90s. And there are consequences to what the European Union did, the United Kingdom. You know, even when we were grappling with leaving the European Union, we were saber-rattling about Ukrainian membership of NATO in the EU fucking pathetic excuse me that is not a serious country and it's my country and i'm standing i'm sitting here staring at my map on the wall the flags of a free empire the emblems of british power throughout the world a decades old map now that has union flags all across planet earth all over it and i look at that now as i speak to you and I think how pathetic we have become. And I beg you not to become that way. The biggest problem with this conflict right now is you cannot put the toothpaste back in the tube. You forced the hand of a hostile foreign power when you told them you wanted to in, in, engulf their neighbor that they shared culture and history and trade and politics with you told them you wanted to bring that under a foreign banner nato and the european union you had the 20 if you need to go back and look this up ladies and gentlemen my reporting is still out there from then when i went to ukraine back then 2013 and 14 in the articles of association that the european union put together to try and grab ukraine into the european sphere of influence if not properly fully in in engulf it into the eu structures Think about that. The European Court of Human Rights, the European Commission, all of the trading blocks, uh, everything, everything would have immediately cut Ukraine and Russia off from basically anything. They would have different regulatory standards, different migration standards, different monetary standards, different fiscal policy. That's what they were doing in 2013, and they have the audacity to turn around today not but a decade later, and say, oh my God, why are the Russians so upset about this? Are you following? We're being asked to get angry and distracted, by the way, over a situation that they begun a decade ago. Began before that, really. But really, this kind of part of the conflict about a decade ago. And I know, I know, there's no, there's no sort of, 
there's no pride. I don't feel any sense of pride in going, oh, the EU started it. You know, that doesn't make Vladimir Putin the good guy. There aren't any good guys in this. And anybody who tells you there are is lying to you, as usual. The elites want war. Um, I'm done with that for the time being. And I'd like to move you on to something uh, that I wrote about on my Substack yesterday. If you're not a member of it yet, rahimkassam.substack.com. rahimkassam.substack.com. Please go and be a member. It's it's completely free, by the way. Um, it's just a place that I do a little bit of different kind of writing. Sometimes, sometimes I do the funnies. Uh, and in this case, a little bit of a different kind of investigation. We cross-posted it over to the National Pulse as well uh, this morning, and it's doing incredibly well as a story, and I think it should do. Not, I'm not patting myself on the back. I'm just saying that... <laughs> well, maybe I'm. <laughs> I'm just saying that this is a really bizarre thing, and I think people should, should pay very close attention to it, uh, and I'm glad so far they are. Um, last week, I was... And apologies if you've already read the story on this. Uh, but you might like you might like you might like the tone of this anyway, so stick around. Um, actually, before we get into that, before we get into that, let me um, let me do that thing that I like to do uh, in here, and uh, I like to do this little you know rejoin music here and tell you to head on over and support our work at fundrealnews.com. You get a private chat with me, Natalie, hundreds of others. We'd love to see you in there. Fundrealnews.com. Lots of other goodies, and hey. It means you're funding real news instead of the fake news that is pushing us into war and the fake fact checks that I'm about to talk to you about right now. So I need a longer rejoin on that, don't I? I got a notification on my Instagram last week and it said, uh, it said, hey, you know, this thing you posted about the COVID-19 morality pill, that's fake news. So here's another strike against your account. I've basically got about 11 at this point in time. And that's a strike against your Facebook and a strike against Instagram. Now, you can turn around and say, yeah, you should be on those things anyway. Bullshit, okay? I'm not going to cede the ground uh, just because it's an unfair battlefield. It doesn't mean I'm going to retreat from it. And it doesn't mean I'm going to try and stop recruiting other people who would not see my content on Getter, not see my content on Truth Social, not see my content on Gab because they're not on those things. They're middle-of-the-road people uh, who are on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And yes, unfortunately, those things still exist, right? So I'm not saying you should be on it, by the way. If you want to, that's entirely up to you. I'm just saying as a publisher of information, it is incumbent upon me, I believe morally, to get this information to as many people as possible. And my Instagram, if I may say so, is kind of fire. If you look at my stories, kind of cool. Um, and Facebook reaches a totally different demographic, one that we need to reach. And we have 430,000 people on our... You see, I was going to go for a run this morning, and instead I'm taking all my energy out on you. We have 430,000 people on the National Pulse Facebook, and we have 190,000 people on the Raheem Kassam Facebook. So look, I want to I want to keep reaching these people. But I've got all these strikes now, and I've started to get really bizarrely obsessed with the people who are giving me those strikes. And obviously, we dealt with Alan Duke, showed him up in front of the world, still hasn't lost his contracts. We're working on it. Alan, if you're listening. 
But this one, this one, I expected this when I got this notification. I expected this to be another lead stories fact check. So what happened? I posted a, a screen grab of an article from Forbes. The Forbes headline read at the time, quote, could a morality pill help stop the COVID-19 pandemic? The author was Paul Hesia. I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. No disrespect intended. Um, H-S-I-E-H, Hesia? Hesia? Um, who is a radiologist and writes at Forbes. Don't know him. I understand he's like one of these Coke free market guys, whatever, not interested. Not the point of my screen grabbing of this article. The point was in the first paragraph, and, and Hazia says that he's not he's not in favor of this pill. He's just writing about it. Fine. My attack wasn't on Hazia or, 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 or what his approach to this was. My, pro, my attack was on the quote, um, widespread administration of psychoactive, uh, psychoactive drugs that could provide, quote, moral enhancement that would make people more likely to adhere to social norms such as wearing masks and adhering to distancing guidelines. In other words, for those of you who have read Brave New World, Soma, right? Take your drug that makes you docile. So I screen grabbed that, posted it to Twitter, to Getter, Instagram to Facebook and my caption was just here's what they're planning next or a reminder of here's what they're planning next I like to tweak my captions per different platforms that I put them on just to see what works and what doesn't um now on Twitter my tweet was actually retweeted by Joe Rogan and this was like at the peak of the time that Rogan was going through his tete-a-tete with, well, so many people in the media, but also with Spotify. And so it got a lot more attention, I think. I mean, just super viral. Might, might be my most ever, the highest reach I've ever had on a tweet. But um, about a week later, I get this notification from Instagram and it says, um, false information. Your post contains the same information as a post the independent fact-checkers say is false. We've added a notice to your post. And it comes up with this, you know, exclamation point, like a road sign. And it says, independent fact-checkers at the Healthy Indian Project say that it's false. A notice was added to your post on February 16th. So that's six days ago, right? Now, I tried to understand, like, well, what, what exactly is false about what I posted? I posted the uh, I posted the screen grab from Forbes. I said, this is what they're planning. They are, this, that is the screen grab from Forbes, and it is something that is being planned. But they said the fact check was incorrect because Forbes and Paul Hessier had attached an update to the story after my Joe Rogan retweet. I guess they care more about Rogan retweeting something than me tweeting something. And that's okay. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> they attached an update, right? And the update was Hesia going, oh, I never said I was in favor of this. My God, man. I mean, nobody said you were in favor of it. Have some gumption. Stand up for yourself. You know, you, you decided to write an article because you wanted to bring this thing to, 
to the, the to the light of day, presumably. And I was grateful for it. And now you're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't blame me for this. Nobody was blaming you. In fact, if anything, we were kind of crediting you and thanking you. But then you added this thing to your story and that caused the fact checkers to weigh in and go, oh, you see, Raheem, this guy doesn't want this pill out. So your post is false. Obviously, you're listening to me saying all this and you're going, well, that doesn't make your post false. Thank you. Yes, obviously. But this is this is the freaking world we live in today, right? Um, so nobody says that he wanted it. He puts up an update that says, I don't want it. And then they go, yeah, see, he doesn't want it. So I guess you don't have to have it. Well, yeah, I wish that's how it worked. If a Forbes contributor with 2,000 Twitter followers said we didn't have to have this morality pill, then we don't have to. I, for one, would actually support that. That's not how it works, is it? And I decided to take a look into who the Healthy Indian Project was. It's not lead stories fact-checking me for once. The Healthy Indian Project. Now, I know I'm Indian of extraction. And I know I'm pretty good-looking, healthy, fit. (laughs) Um, But I I didn't believe that this was a a, a fact-check set up just for me. A whole apparatus of people or maybe non-people, as we are about to find out. So I decided to look into it, the Healthy Indian Project, and I'll be, I'll be a little bit more uh, brief about this than I've been so far, because I want you to go to the substack, rahimkassam.substack.com. I want you to read it. There's lots of images in there, embeds, links, quotes that you want to get into. It's not too long, by the way. It's about 1,300 words. Take up about seven to eight minutes of your time maximum, and I want you to hit the share button. I need you to hit the share button. I need you to hit the subscribe button. Because how else are we going to bring these things to the light of day? And what are these things? Okay, so my fact check was fact checked by... And I'm going to maybe get some people's names wrong here. I apologize. I'm not trying to be, um, you know, clever or twee about it. Uh, My fact check was done by somebody called Dr. Shika Shiramani. And I clicked through onto the Healthy Indian Project website... And there isn't actually anybody called Dr. Shika Shiromani in their staff page, on their staff page. Now, Dr. Shika Shiromani is an author bio that they have, but with no headshot. And there's nothing really about anybody called Shika Shiromani. There's a couple of Facebook pages. You can't really tell if it's the same person online. So I don't know who this is. And they don't tell me who this is. But this is our, this is our transparent fact checkers, ladies and gentlemen. You know, even Leeds Stories was more transparent about who they are. Hell, they even put their addresses on the internet. But the Healthy Indian Project, I started to think, this is really, really strange. And I started to notice all sorts of discrepancies. Discrepancies in their balance sheets, discrepancies on their staff page. I'll give you a few examples The CEO is a guy called Sudipta Sengupta. Doesn't appear to have any real journalistic experience. Has worked within, you know, quote-unquote digital content platforms, but on the marketing side. So I don't know what he's doing running a fact-check organization. I should be running a fact-check organization. We are a fact-check organization in a lot of ways. And then immediately, not even like a few staff members down, immediately the next staff member is just a one-name blank picture called Nishant. (laughs) Okay, Nishant. And Nishant is described as a seasoned journalist with over 18 years of experience. Well, so I clicked through onto Nishant's LinkedIn, only, by the way, for 
out of seven of the staff listed here have actual proper bios via LinkedIn. And not to say that LinkedIn is the only place you can do that, but that's a, that's a, at least they're trying. But I went through to Nishant's LinkedIn. Looks like a nice chap. Says he's in Delhi, which is another weird thing because this entity is not registered in Delhi. This entity is registered near the Bangladeshi border. But he says he's in Delhi and he's been working as executive editor of the Healthy Indian Project for two years and five months. Before that, less than a year at something called the Millennium Post. It's different from the post-millennial, by the way. Um, and then before that, one year at something called News X as a senior producer. Mm. Well, that doesn't sound like 18 years of experience to me, so Nishant's a bust. Let's go on to the next one. No picture again. One, one, one name, Geetika. Well, Geetika apparently is a content research professional who has over 12 years of work experience managing content and research for multiple blue chip companies, including Accenture, EvaluServe, and the Economic Times. Mm. Okay. Well, that's not experience in journalism at all. And I went through Geetika's history, and yeah, she worked for Accenture, effectively in public relations copywriting for 10 years. She was a sub-editor, i.e. somebody who fixes commas. No offense to sub-editors out there, by the way, very important job. But you're not a fact-checker, right? Not necessarily. There for 19 months. Now, some sub-editors do fact-checking. Okay, fine, let's give Geeta, Geetika, sorry, um, 19 months of fact-checking experience uh, several years ago. So that's, uh, that's what we've got so far out of three people, three top people in this team. Bear with me here, because I've thought about this. The fourth one. Nice picture. Two names. Smita Anand. Smita Anand is described as a content writing professional with over 15 years of experience. Well, I assume they mean 15 years of experience in content writing. Um, she obviously didn't write that content, because no one in with 15 years of content writing experience would write those sentences like that um but i went through to samita anand who is the last person to have a proper bio via linkedin by the way uh as well on her page and samita anand appears to be an english teacher now there are three more people here bizarre as you like no bio, no bigger bios number one satish srivastava who's just described as a native bojpuri passionate about fact-checking he has over 10 years of experience working as a professional in multiple industries, including events and training. Then you have the one named, but with a picture, Niranjan. This is, this is maybe my favorite one. Niranjan is a technocrat by educational background and a content lover from heart. Hmm. Why didn't we get Smita? the content writing professional with over 15 years of experience to check that sentence. A technocrat by educational background and a content lover from heart. Now, you may turn around to me and say, Raheem, they're, based, they're Indians, they're based in India, they're writing like Indians based in India. Yeah, they are. But they're fact-checking posts in the Western world written by accredited Western journalists. I have been a member of the oldest maybe maybe not the oldest one of the oldest it may be the oldest but i just don't want to make that claim one of the oldest let's say if not the oldest journalism union 
in my country. And I've been a member there, I think, for about seven years now. Uh, I.e. a member in good standing. And these people, who are content lovers from heart, are fact-checking me. And the last one, again, no bio, Dilpreet Kaur Verk. Picture two. And this is a this is another you know as 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 Donald Trump used to say. This is another beauty, right? Another beauty, the beautiful one. Um, a multi-talented professional, with eighteen years of experience in handling various roles in the corporate sector. Mm. Now, these are the people. That's the who, okay? But the where gets even stranger. <laughs> I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm having to do I can't believe this is the world we live in. The the Healthy Indian Project lists New Delhi or Delhi as their places of origin or residence. That's the staff list, right? But the address, the office address is about a thousand miles away in West Bengal. And right near India's border with Bangladesh. And it's, it's, they put their, they have their address on the privacy policy section of their website. So I'm not saying they're hiding where they, where their office is. But let me ask you this. I mean, go onto this Substack, RaheemKasam.substack.com, and check out what that neighborhood looks like. I mean, it's a slum. It's a slum. And I know a lot of places in India look like this. I'm not making fun of that. I'm just saying, this doesn't look like the place you put a fact-checking office. Maybe it is for them. Maybe they are just the most tenacious little upstarts from this tiny little slum. I would hazard to say that they shouldn't be fact-checking me in that situation, but maybe that's who they are. But I think they need to be a little bit more transparent. Are, they, are you in Delhi? Are you in the you know are you on the peripheries of Calcutta? Are you in Badrakali? Where is your office? Who are these people? Where are the bios? Where are the profiles? Where are the pictures? Who are these authors? Who are these fact checkers? And most importantly, of course, ladies and gentlemen, how are you funded? And that brings me on to my favorite, one of my favorite parts about this story. And I love doing stories like this. And I just want every other quote-unquote fact-checker out there to know you better get your shit in order because I am coming for you too. We are going to expose every single malign person involved in this pseudo-industry of frauds. Or is that tautological? Pseudo-industry of frauds. Industry of frauds. Yeah. So... The Healthy Indian Project's balance sheet showed about $1,300 US in their account in 2020. And while I'm sure the neighborhood of Hooghly is cheap for office and staffing, $1,300 US still ain't really getting you a fact-checking operation out there. If it did, I might move the National Pulse out to Hooghly. But, the next year, the balance sheet suddenly jumps 
from 1300 US dollars to 2.3 million rupees. That's about 31,000 US dollars. And again, may not be a lot for us thinking here in the Western world about setting up an office and a staff and a whatever. $31,000 wouldn't even necessarily pay for your furniture and your computers and your lighting rigs and your production facilities, right? Especially if you're not if you're doing video production and all this, which the Healthy Indian Project claims it does. I haven't seen any of it, but they claim it does. So thirty-one thousand U.S. dollars in the account, eh, about two hundred dollars a month U.S. is is a good salary out there. Yeah, you could you could you could stand up an operation for that. Where'd they get the money? Where'd they get the money? Drum roll, please. Oh, yes. That money came from Google. The Google.com. Google. Or Alphabet. And specifically, it came from YouTube. Through the Google News Initiative, YouTube gave away a million dollars in 2020-21 to 22 different programs around the world. USA Today took $38,000. Le Monde took $50,000. The Washington Post took $50,000. Listen, I don't understand why these multi-million, if not billion-dollar companies are putting their hands out for 50K grants from Google, but that is happening. I mean, God knows I could use that, (laughs) but I don't know why the Washington Post needs it. I mean, $50,000 wouldn't even cover the janitor's salary in the Washington Post building downtown in D.C., I'm not even joking about it. That's not a joke. <laughs> that's, that, that, is, that is actually true. Um, but Google chucked this firm, the Healthy Indian Project, $31,800 to stand them up. That'll stand them up for about a year, maybe more. And it doesn't appear that neither or either Google, if they're inseparable in any way, shape, or form from a governance perspective. Neither Google nor YouTube have done any due diligence into this operation because there's one more interesting part of this story. Well, two more really interesting parts of this story that I think really round this off. Well, the Healthy Indian Project is now a member of the IFCN. That's the um, International Fact-Checking Network which is run by Pointer. Now, this thing is massive. This thing is a very high-profile operation, very well-funded, loads of high-profile, massive corporate members. And the IFCN gives accreditations to fact-checkers around the world. And if you've got the accreditation, you're allowed to do fact-checks for Facebook and other places like that. Effectively, you become one of the arbiters of modern information overnight with this stamp. But even though IFCN has given them this stamp, they have raised concerns about multiple things in their assessment. They raise concerns about their revenue and their balance sheet. They raise concerns about their staffing and staff salaries. They raise concerns... um, I'll read you this one. In May 2020, Kanchan Kaur, who, by the way, was also one of the people who approved the grant for the Healthy Indian Project 
Well, Kanchan Kaur writes, quote, the applicant has shared proof of its status as a legally registered company. It has provided a balance sheet that indicates that the funding comes from its directors. However, in the balance sheet, it does not show an expenses towards staff, salaries, and the like. Perhaps an explanation is in order. Yeah, I'd say an explanation is in order. I'd say an explanation is in order for all of that. I'd say an explanation is in order for their shoddy about us page, which lists people who I don't think even really exist. I think an explanation is in order as to where their real office is. I think an explanation is in order as to why Google is even giving them the money in the first place. And I think an explanation is in order for this really weird thing that they have on their editorial policy page where they say they have an updation policy. And it says, quote, medical science is a constantly changing field, which with with researches happening across multiple genres in multiple locations. Hence, we accept that every piece of information is subject to change. We make active efforts to periodically review every piece of information and keep them updated. Last update is mentioned on every article. However, when a new research, sorry, when a new research finding changes the result of an old fact check article, we do not change the rating of the article, keeping the time context in mind. We add an extra paragraph below the article wherever possible, to update readers about the new findings. So, what they're effectively admitting to doing here is leaving Google's own algorithm, leaving every search engine's algorithm, at the whim of what may become, or may have always been, fake news. They don't update. They don't want to change it. They were, oh, the context in mind at the time, yeah, you know. Oh, ivermectin and all of that. Yeah, no, leave the leave the news articles up that that malign people that call it a horse medicine. You know all of that, so that it comes up at the top of the rankings. It's corrupting information, and they actively brag about it on their website. That is what is happening. I thank you for paying attention to that. And I thank you for sharing this, leaving a comment, leaving a review, sharing this show with your friends. I want to thank our new members at the nationalpulse.com, at fundrealnews.com, Beverly, Brian, Tara, James, Vinita, Jacqueline, Mary, Mark, Thomas, Janice, Kate, Charles, Mark, Nick, Mike, William, Eric, Chris, Robert, Roberti, Douglas, Douglas, uh, Samuel, Bonnie, Paul, Scott, Joseph, Juanita, Paul, Sharon, Vince, Roy, Manuel, Michael, Robert, Van, Ellen, Kevin, Ray, Kevin, Debbie, Ryan, I want to thank all of you guys and all the others who have joined in. If you want to shout out, go to fundrealnews.com. Come and join us in the chat. You hear about this stuff way before everybody else does if you're in our private chat. And again, leave a review, leave a comment, and uh, I'll bring uh, back Natalie Winters for another show in just a few days.